Welcome to the KFAX Ministry of the Week Sunday Message. The Bay Area has a rich diversity of churches and ministries that serve the community in Jesus' name. And here at KFAX, we love to shine a spotlight onto the great things God is doing through the kingdom work of pastors and ministry leaders. We feature a sermon or presentation from that leader to get you better acquainted with churches who will welcome you to worship and ministry opportunities that invite your involvement. Welcome to the KFAX Ministry of the Week Sunday Message. Today we're very pleased to have Pastor Gary Martara of Faith Fellowship Foursquare Church in San Leandro. Pastor Gary began a Bible study in 1980 in a friend's living room, and God began to use him to bring many friends and people to salvation. He knew God was calling him to ministry, but he was chasing a pro golf career. Eventually, Pastor Gary gave in and has been in ministry ever since. After Pastoring and a pioneer work in Oakland for four years, Pastor Gary was asked to take over Faith Fellowship Church in San Leandro in 1993. Pastor Gary has a BA in pastoral studies from Patton University and Day Spring College. He has also taught Bible college courses at Jubilee Bible College, Golden Gate School of Theology, and Patton University. He's frequently invited to speak at men's conferences, and he also hosts his own Be a Man and Beauty of a Woman conferences. Pastor Gary has over 24 years of experience as a senior pastor. He has three children, Michael, Jonathan, and Leanna. Pastor Gary's first book, Be a Man, has been used around the country to help instruct men to be leaders in their homes, churches, and communities. You can listen to Pastor Gary Mortara's program, I Speak Life, weekdays at 11 a.m. on AM 1100 KFAX. And find out more about Faith Fellowship Foursquare Church in San Leandro at their website, faith-fellowship.us or visit them in San Leandro at 577 Manor Boulevard. And now, the KFAX Ministry of the Week Sunday message with Pastor Gary Mortara. Forgiveness, we love to receive it, but we're not always willing to give it. And when you read your Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, The words of Jesus are very interesting. And you know which ones are the words of Jesus because they're in what color? Red. If you have a Bible and there's no red letters, your Bible's old, okay? The red letters are the words of Jesus. And he says some things in the four Gospels that sometimes I think we read them and say, he he don't mean that. He, He doesn't mean that, does he? He couldn't mean that. But you're going to find that he does. And forgiveness is one of the things that we are to offer to each other. It is a non-negotiable in God's eyes. This isn't a suggestion. It is a command that we forgive each other. And I have been in church since I was a little boy. And I've been to a lot of different kind of churches. And whenever I've heard forgiveness preached... Seldom is this aspect of forgiveness preached, which is the part that says, if you don't forgive your brother, neither will God forgive you. It is the most seldom preached aspect of forgiveness. There isn't a relationship in the universe that can survive without forgiveness. None. Not ours between us and God, not between people. Without forgiveness, the relationship can't go forward. 
And people don't like to give forgiveness. They like to receive forgiveness. Recently, I was in the store and a lady walked up to me. She had gone here before and she recognized me. She said, Pastor, Pastor, can you pray for my dad? And I said, sure. What's going on with your dad? She said, he's dying. And I said, oh, I'm I'm sorry to hear that. And she said, and I went to talk to him because he hasn't talked to my brother in eight years. And I said, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And she said, and I went and approached him about talking to my brother. And I said, dad, you're getting ready to die. Don't you think you should call brother and try to heal that relationship? You've been angry so long. And his words were, I want to die with him angry at me. How do you get to that place? How do you get to that place of unforgiveness and you want to die that way? Mm. You know, the three most powerful words you could ever say to somebody are the three words, I am sorry. Would you try that with me? I am sorry. Say it again. I am sorry. See, it's not that hard, is it? And the three most healing words in response to that are, you are forgiven. Try that one. You are forgiven. Say it again. You are forgiven. And when those six words are spoken between two entities, be it God and us or us and somebody else, I am sorry. You are forgiven. Now this relationship can move forward. That's why we come to the Lord's table, isn't it? I mean, didn't we just come to the Lord's table last week? We came to the Lord's table. What's the Lord's table all about? Well, it's a reminder of what Jesus did. He took bread and he broke it. This is my body, which is for you. The breaking of the bread is the opening of the truth of who Jesus is. And out comes his truth. And and then we drink of the cup of forgiveness. And we know our sins are forgiven. And we're to extend that to each other so there's no divisions. And as we keep coming to the Lord's table... Relationships can keep moving forward, ours and God's and ours and other people. That's what it's all about. In fact, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is called the Sermon on what? Sermon on the Mount. And it's some of the most powerful words that Jesus ever spoke. And these are not some of the words that you say, "Eh, he didn't mean that, did he? You know, he he begins by saying things like this. You have heard that it was said. And when he says you have heard that it was said, he's talking about from the teachers of the day, the pastors, the Pharisees, uh, the ones that taught the word of God. And he says, you have heard them say, thou shalt not commit murder. Anybody in here commit murder? Never mind. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Never mind. Thou shalt not commit murder. You have heard the teacher say, thou shalt not commit murder. But I say to you, if you're angry in your heart at your brother, you've already committed murder. And he says, you have heard them say, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say to you, if you look lustfully at someone, you already have committed adultery. You have heard them say that it's okay to get divorced. I say to you, that's not what my father says. You have heard it say that you have to keep your oaths that you make. I say, don't even make an oath. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. In other words, when you open your mouth, whatever comes out, do that. You have heard it say, an eye for a what? 
an eye for an eye. But I say to you, if someone strikes you on the cheek, turn to him the other cheek. Now, it doesn't say what to do after that. John, that's when you let them have it right there, baby. That's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. Turn the other cheek. You have heard it taught. You have heard it said. Love your neighbor. But I say to you, love your enemies. Do we take these words serious? They're his words. He did mean them. And you're going to see right here in Matthew chapter 6. I want you to look there. Matthew 6 in verse 5. What Jesus said about forgiveness. The blessing of forgiveness. Matthew 6 verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room. Now the room could be anywhere. It could be walking around the block, driving in your car or someplace. What it's saying is get away from people, get alone with God. Close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Not what you should pray, but how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our what? As we forgive those. Let me read it again. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It goes on and on. Verse 14, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Most seldom preached preached about aspect of forgiveness right there in those verses, taking his words seriously. You know, the Bible says this, that the law came through Moses. The law of God came through Moses. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Don't, or get a certificate of divorce. Uh, Make an oath. That law came through Moses. But John says in chapter one, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth. We love grace, don't we? We love truth. See, Jesus took Moses' law and brought truth to it. You have been heard that it said, don't commit murder. I say, if you have anger in your heart, you've already done it. He's bringing deeper truth and grace that God wants to forgive us. We love the forgiveness, but now we're commanded to offer that forgiveness. That word debt there, forgive us our debt. Um, Matthew uses, there's four different Greek words for sin, and Matthew uses a different one than Luke does. And in Jewish mind, Matthew's writing to Jews as a Jew about the Jew Jesus. And he says a word that means you owe God a debt. Forgive us our debt that we owe you for our sin. 
Luke uses a word that simply means sin. It just means you, you knew what you were doing and you committed it anyway. And so Luke, when he writes this, says, forgive us our sins, what we owe God. We have sinned against God. Forgive us as we forgive each other. It sounds kind of serious, doesn't it? Forgive us our debts. You see, we love grace from God. We love it. We love to hear about his mercy, his grace, his love. We love to hear about the plans that he has for us. But when it comes to forgiving other people, uh, uh, earlier in the sermon, he said this, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive what? What is it? They shall receive merciful. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. If that's true, then the reverse is true. If you don't offer people mercy, you're not going to get any mercy. Listen, I walk a pretty straight life. I do. I really try to walk inside the boundaries and I need a lot of mercy. And so if I need a lot of mercy, Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So I've got to be merciful. Hello? These are the words of Jesus. Blessed are the merciful. For if you forgive men their sins, your father will forgive your sins. If you do not forgive men their sins, neither will your father forgive sins. In my book, Be a Man, I wrote about our sin nature, specifically about anger. I wrote in the book and the reason is, is we all come to Christ with different sins and hangups in our lives, but almost every one of us brings anger with us into salvation. Almost every single one of us does. And I, in the book, I talk about why we are angry people. Number one, it is part of the sin nature, your Adamic nature, the nature you got from Adam. If you don't believe me, read Galatians chapter five that says the works of the flesh are these and angers right in the middle of it, right in the middle so you're born with a sin nature with anger. Would you tap your neighbor and say, you were born that way. You're born that way. <laughs> now you know where it comes from. Now you know where it comes from. Now listen, you're born with that in your nature and then in life you're offended all through life. You're offended all through life. Think about this. The very first thing that happens to every person that enters our planet is what? Welcome to our world. It's going to be like this the rest of your life. So you're born with a sin nature and then you're offended all through your life. And then you're around people who model anger for you. Anybody have an angry dad or an angry mom, angry siblings, or maybe you were the one, the one. <laughs> so you're born with that in your nature. You're offended all through your life. It's been modeled for you all around you. And now you have habits of anger in your life. And this is all part of the sin nature. It is because of sin in us that we hurt and offend other people. It is because of sin in them that they hurt and offend you. And somehow we believe we have the right to cut people out of our lives when they are in the wrong. And we don't, according to Jesus, we don't have the right to cut people out of our lives when they're in the wrong. 
blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Judge not, lest you what? Be judged. For in the way that you judge someone else is how you are going to be judged. Remember, God is the ultimate judge. And he says, if you look at people and talk about people that way, that's how I'm going to let them talk about you. In fact, one of the things that our flesh loves to do is to pay somebody back, right? They do that to you, man, I'm getting them back. But the Bible won't let you do it if you're a believer. It says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay you. Give them a cup of cold water. What? I'll throw it in their face is what I'll do. See, either the words of Jesus are true or they're not. And this is a tough way to go. But Christian, the Christian life is all about relationships. That's what it's about. You see, all those things that Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not get divorced, thou shalt not have oaths, thou shalt uh, not return punch for a punch, and thou shalt love their enemy. That's all relational. It's people to people. And if you're going to be a Christian, it's all about relationships. And there isn't a relationship in the universe that can survive without forgiveness. And if you don't forgive, neither will your father. You see how it all connects together? It's not an option anymore. And by the way, where is that place that we can move to and live and work And play, where is that place we can live, work, and play where we won't be offended? Can you tell me where that is? Because I want to move there. Right? Where can you move and live without getting offended? How about marriage? Marriage. Marriage. All right. Bless marriage. It's not going to happen there. You singles that want to get married. You're not going to find it there. You're going to get offended if you get married. Promise you. How about parents and kids? How about your siblings, your aunts and uncles, and your nieces and nephews, and your cousins? There's nowhere you can go to live away from the family and not get offended. Because we all got a Bubba in our family, don't we? That's where we live. There's nowhere you can move where you won't be offended. How about where you work? Is there anywhere you can go to work and not get offended? Co-workers bother you? Or a boss puts on his boss hat and gets on your last nerve? Or maybe you're a supervisor or a boss yourself or a foreman or the owner? How about employees? Can you get away from employees that won't offend you? Not going to happen. What about play? I watch this happen. I've been doing this a long time. And I watch this happen all the time. Every year, every year, the guys in the church come to me and say, we want to have a softball team. Okay? And they start off with a pure motive. I mean, they start off and they got, man, we're going to pray before every game. We're going to pass out flyers. We're going to share Jesus with everybody. About the fourth game, they can't get along at all. None of them. They're all mad at each other. 
There's nowhere you can live, nowhere you can work, nowhere you can play and not get offended. We exaggerate the sins of other people and we minimize our own. We exaggerate and we minimize. It's an interesting study, the human psyche. It really is. If I had a video of you in your car driving, it's a very interesting study to watch. This is truth now. You'll know. You'll know I'm telling the truth. I I took some psychology, all right? But if you're driving down the road and someone cuts you off and the camera's on you, what do you do? Man, what? You're about to lose your mind because how dare they do that to you? Now keep that camera rolling and you're driving down the road and you cut somebody off. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Right? Completely different response. We exaggerate their sin and we minimize ours. What do we want when we violate somebody? Mercy. I'm sorry, 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 sorry. When they do it, I'll kill them. I'll kill them. You want to live somewhere without being offended? Buy yourself an island, like a 10 foot by 10 foot island, and live on it. And you know what's going to happen? You're not going to start liking you either. Of course we want peace. Of course we want love. Of course we want acceptance. Of course, when we mess up and we hurt somebody, we want grace and forgiveness and mercy. Of course we do. But when it's against us, make them pay. Make them pay. They don't deserve to be forgiven. When we do it, <laughs> sorry, sorry. When they do it, no, no, no. Uh-uh. We deserve it. They don't. You see, when we won't forgive, we are now the cop, the prosecutor, the judge, and the jury. We're putting them on trial. We're judging them. And we're not forgiving them. But Jesus' words in the red said, you have to forgive if you want my Father to forgive you. Don't judge lest you be judged. Now, in the Old Testament, you ought to read the Old Testament. I know it's under the law, and many of you have not read it, but you ought to read it because there's a whole lot of good Bible stuff in there. But in the Old Testament, you'll see two different kinds of sins. Intentional sins and unintentional. Intentional and unintentional. Because when somebody violates us, offends us, hurts us, the first thing that goes to our mind is, They did that with malice of forethought. They did that knowing what they were doing. But you have to ask yourself the question, did they really do it with malice of forethought? Second question is, did they do it with any thought? What were they thinking? Right? Because if you believe... That it was malice of forethought that they really wanted to hurt you. They really wanted to spite you. Which, by the way, the word malice means with ill intent to do evil. Ill intent to do evil. Spite. Then you're going to come at them a certain way. 
But maybe, maybe it was because of immaturity. Maybe it was because of ignorance. Maybe it was because of an underdeveloped area of their life. Or how about this one? Maybe they said that or did that in a moment of anger. Anybody in third service ever say something in a moment of anger you wish you didn't say? Or was that just second and first service? But I want to talk today about how to be blessed financially no matter what season of life you're in. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had spoken to the men on a Wednesday night. We had a split group. Men were in, over there and the women were here. And I felt compelled by the Lord to talk to the men about being leaders in every area of their lives. And by the way, guys, you ought to be out on Wednesday nights, all right? The women are outnumbering us about uh, one and a half to one, all right? So we need to step it up, guys. But on that Wednesday night, I talked to the men about being leaders in every area of their lives, and especially in the area in front of our families, in the tithe and in giving. That if we as the leaders of our homes aren't being faithful to God in finances, how could we then expect our families to? And then when things aren't going well financially, who are we supposed to complain to? I'll try it on this side. Uh, (laughs) Understanding that God loves to bless his people. How many of you are parents in this place? Anybody? Parents? How many of you love to bless your kids? You love to bless them and give them things. Now, some of you are a little tighter than others when it comes to finances. No, boy, you're going to work for that stuff. And there should be, but there should be a blessing coming from dad and mom. This last week, I just got back from the convention in Houston, the Foursquare Convention, where we go every year. And I've been going for over 20 years, and there's usually four speakers or more every week. So you do the math. Four times 20 is about 80 messages I've heard minimum at the Foursquare Convention. On Monday night, the opening night, the speaker was not a Foursquare man. He was a pastor from Texas somewhere outside of Houston. And very large church, very well-known individual. And he got up and spoke In my estimation and the estimation of many other pastors, and there was over 3,000 pastors and their wives there, in our estimation, it was the best message we've ever heard at a Foursquare convention. And this man talked about the ability to give financially and God bless you in return. I would venture to say that most pastors are tithers and givers. I'm going to believe that. But everyone I talked to as we exited were just shaking their head like, that was, dude, that was like the bomb. That message was incredible. And we weren't convicted because we don't tithe. I just told you that I always tithe and then some always have, always will. But we were convicted because we don't always teach our people the blessing of giving. I'll be honest with you, if I can be real, can I be real with you today? I have been partly afraid to always talk about financial giving. And that's what I'm apologizing for. I've lost all my fear today. (laughs) You know, because you go to certain churches, they take three or four offerings. They tell you that God told me there's 50 of you that need to give a thousand dollars and we can't close the service till you do. I'm not going to tell you that because God didn't tell me that. Now, if he told me that, I'll tell you that, but he never has. This message was very convicting, and I I began that night to write out thoughts that were just coming to me off of his message. I'm not going to preach his message because I couldn't. He used a lot of anecdotes and personal testimonies that I have my own. And so I'm going to share with you about my faith 
with God's money and trusting him. My wife and I, the first thing we do is write out a tithe check. My children, when they get a paycheck, and Michael's been working for the last year and a half, Jonathan's been working for about the last nine months to a year, every time they get paid, I said, don't forget your tithe. It's my job as the dad to make sure they understand that it all belongs to God and you can't outgive him. The little bit that you just think you should hold on to, you're going to end up losing, and then you'll get mad later when it's not coming back because you're not blessed because you weren't faithful. And so teaching the kids early on about giving. Now, there are three types of giving. The first one is the tithe. Everybody say tithe. What does tithe mean, church? You know this. Everybody say tenth. The first one is the tenth or the tithe that belongs to God. He really demands that. It all belongs to him, but he really demands that. The second one is called offerings. Free will offerings. Offerings that you freely give out of your will. Nobody makes you. It's not under compulsion. You do it with a cheerful heart. The third one is called extravagant or painful giving. (laughs) Don't leave yet. That's next week. Extravagant or painful giving. But I want to tell you that as you go up the ladder in your giving, uh, God ups the ante on what he gives back. When you get to the place, if you ever do, to extravagant, painful giving, get ready to get super blessed. Because you can't outgive God. Tap your neighbor and say, you can't outgive God. Don't miss the first one. Don't miss giving the tithe. I, I see people do this all the time. Uh, You may not show up in church for two or three weeks. Maybe you're on vacation, you're away on business, Uh, maybe you got sick, maybe things got a little tight, and you just said, oh, well, this month I guess I'm not going to be given my tithe. Don't miss the tithe. It all belongs to God. And even if you're out of town, on business, sick, couldn't get here for whatever reason, it still belongs to him and God demands that. Try telling PG&E, oh, well, I just couldn't get to it this month. Don't miss giving the tithe. There are many people in our church that when they know they're going to be out of town, this is real. You can ask our accountant, Yvonne and Diane. People mail in their tithe check. Sorry, couldn't be there last week. Here's my tithe. Because it belongs to God. Don't miss doing that. Now, let's be honest if we're going to talk about money. There are certain occupations that are going to pay better than other occupations. If you have gone to law school and you're an attorney, a lawyer, or a judge, you probably make a better income than the person working at McDonald's. If you've gone to school, you have a PhD or a degree and you're a professor, you probably make a better income than other people around you that didn't get an education. So the first thing I'm going to say to you, if you want to really make more money, what can you do to better educate yourself to get into a better paying position? The fact of the matter is, is you put in time somewhere for somebody, whether it's your own business or somebody else's. And so if you're going to put in the time, you might as well get paid as much as you possibly can get paid. And so I say to you, young people, finish your education, get your degrees. Now. In saying that, that some jobs are just going to pay better than other jobs, more money doesn't mean you're going to be better off financially. Hello. Oh, man, I didn't see that one coming, boss. 
What I have found, and I do a lot of research and a lot of counseling, what I have found, even in my own life, the more money you make, the more you're going to spend. Well, good, I can buy that now. Ooh, I can get me one of those. I can get me four of those. And all of a sudden, you're making more money than you've ever made, and you're more strapped financially than you've ever been. How does that work? It's all about handling money, handling money. But no matter what job you're in, if you're working at McDonald's, I prefer in and out It's a Christian-based organization, and they pay better. I'm told. I've never worked there. No matter what line of work you're currently in, whether it's on the bottom of the scale, a third of the way up, halfway up, two-thirds, or at the top, don't ever underestimate the ability of God to bless you financially. No matter where you're at. You say, well, I don't see how I can ever get ahead financially. I don't ever see how I can own the things I want to own. Don't ever underestimate the ability of God to bless you. However, you cannot just obey in one area of your Christian walk. You cannot just expect, well, I'll just give my tithe and then God will bless me and live in disobedience in all the other areas. It doesn't work that way. You're a child of the king. How many children of the king do we have? Then you got to obey in all the areas. You got to work together with God in all the areas. Tithing and giving is just one. And God says, as you're walking with me and you give to me, I'll bless you financially. He's called Jehovah what? Everybody say Jireh. God is my provider and he wants to bless your life. Now, let's be real. What are we all looking for? We're all looking to live a comfortable and a peaceful life. Would you agree with that? Comfortable and peaceful. And people think, man, I just need to make a little more money. If I just lived in a bigger house, if I just drove a better car, if I just had a sharp suit, if I just could wear those shoes I loved. You think that it's getting more things that will cause you to be more comfortable and be more at peace. I want to tell you, it's not true. The Bible says better to have a piece of crust where there's peace and quiet than to have a house full of feasting where there's fighting all the time. You can live in a big mansion out in the middle of rich man's land and not get along as a family, have discord all the time, be strapped and wonder what in the world's going on. Or you can live in a one bedroom, two bedroom apartment, but you have the peace of God. You have a good working relationship. You're serving Jesus and you're at peace. And most of you women start out that way. Honey, I'll marry you if we lived in a tent. Boy, you better give me some beside his tent. <laughs> We're looking to live comfortable and peaceful lives, but it doesn't necessarily mean a bigger home. It means thanking God that your needs will always be provided for because you're obedient and you give to the Lord what belongs to him. Now, Motive. What if we stopped really and analyzed our lives? What if we were to just, let's do it. Motives. Why do we own what we own? If you really stopped and think about all the gadgets and gadgets and toys and things we have, why do we own what we own? And, And that can be good and not good depending on your motive. 
Now, remember, God wants to bless you. He doesn't mind you having fun, having toys and doing things. He blesses his children with the good things of life. It's not just the unsaved. But why do we own what we own? Maybe another question is, why do we do what we do? Why? Why why am I putting myself through all this? On your little card, uh, I want you to write this down. If you could make more money this year than you think you're going to make, how much money would you like to make this year? If you could make more money than you're making, at least in your mind, this year, how much would you like to make? And there's no wrong answer. Just put it on the card. God wants to see it. Let me give you an illustration. My son, Michael, 20 years old, getting ready to go off to college. Up there in Reading, where Dave and Patty Lemoyne, Dave and Patty wave at us. Good old friends, they live up in Reading. Praise the Lord. Michael's getting ready to go off to college. And as you know, children like to borrow money. Everybody said amen. And they don't pay back, you know that. Michael, if he came to me and said, Dad, can I borrow $30? I would say, you mean you'd like to have $30? Take the borrow out. Okay, you, what do you need $30 for? Well, I'd like to take my girlfriend out for a hamburger and a milkshake and buy her a rose. Okay, Mike, well, that sounds pretty reasonable. It sounds like $30 is being spent. Well, here's $30, son. Try to pay it back someday if you can. (laughs) You laugh because he would have laughed too. Now, if Michael came to me and said, Dad, can I borrow $1,000? I would say, well, Michael, what do you need $1,000 for? Well, I'd like to take my girlfriend out for a hamburger and a milkshake and buy her a rose. I would say, boy, you are tripping, okay? And if you say to God right now, God, I'd like to make this much money. And God would say, what are you going to do with it? You've never stopped to consider, if I make this much money, what will I do with it? Because if you're just going to get it to spend it upon your lust and then just blow it all away and have nothing to show and be more strapped financially, what is the point of a father blessing his children with more money? Are you hearing me? So here's the catch. You want to know the catch? Here's the catch. If you can come up with a great answer to God of why you need the money, he'll give it to you. Huh? Did you hear what I said? He's a father and he wants to bless you. He just wants to know, what are you going to do if I bless you with more money? How much do you want? Tell me what you're going to do with it. Are you going to be faithful with it? Are you first of all going to give me what I ask of you? And then will you give to those in need? And will you use it wisely? Will you further the kingdom? Will you enjoy yourself? Will I be glorified if I give you more money? A budget. How many of you say, Pastor, I operate off a budget? How many? Don't lie. Come on now, watch it. What is a budget? A budget is a financial statement that you make out with your spouse, your family, that says, we take in this much money every month, net income, and here's how much our family owes every month. The tithe, how much is the tithe? The mortgage or rent. 
The gas in the car, the car payment, the car insurance, the health insurance, the food budget, the clothes budget, the savings budget, the entertainment budget, all the stuff that a family has to pay. And let's just say round figures, you take in 5,000 net dollars a month as a family. And you go through your budget to see how much you owe every month, and it comes out to 5300 a month. That means every month you're going $300 in debt. In 12 months, you're $3,600 in debt, and that doesn't include interest. A mere $300. So we got to go back to the budget, and we either make more money or spend less. But in there, are we tithing? Are we giving to God? Now... Uh, I have argued theologically, and you know when I argue theologically, I'm right. You you know that. (laughs) I have argued theologically with people that say, well, tithing is under the law, the Old Testament law. Well, who received the law? Everybody say, Mo, Zis. Moses received the law, and in the law, God gave stipulations for the tithe and then some. But way before Moses, way before the law, you find tithing in the Bible. Abraham, when he goes to fight the kings down around the Sodom and Gomorrah area to get back his son, his nephew Lot. The Bible says when he destroyed these kings and he took all the plunder that he tithed to a Melchizedek, a priest of God most high. Later on, his grandson Jacob. He's at a place called Luz, L-U-Z. And he lays down for the night and puts his head on a rock to sleep and he has dreams. Now, you know you're going to dream when you put your head on a rock for a pillow. (laughs) And he sees angels ascending and descending. And he wakes up and says, this is none other than the house of God. And he changes the name of the city from Luz to Beth El, house of God. And then God said, listen, you are the offspring of Abraham, my friend. And through your seed, I will give this land and all nations will be blessed through you. I will provide for you, protect you and lead you everywhere you go. And Jacob woke up and he said, God, if you will do this for me, I'll give you a tenth of everything I get. Way before the law, way before the law. It was a statement of saying, I know that you are my provider. And a tenth is simply something to say, I worship you and I trust you for blessing me. And you said I could use the other 90% however I want. Giving God the tenth, the tithe. This gentleman that was preaching down in Texas... He came out of a totally different passage of scripture and went in a totally different direction with his own anecdotes and stories. And he made the point out of Exodus 23, or excuse me, Exodus 13. Exodus 13 says it this way, that when the Israelites stepped out of Egypt, that God immediately said, every firstborn male that is born in your house, the firstborn child that's a male, belongs to me. You must redeem it. You must pay the price for that child because it belongs to me, but I'll let you buy him from me. And the firstborn of the cattle and the firstborn of the sheep and the goats, the males, they belong to me. You must sacrifice them to me. It's the first fruit. The first belongs to God. The first belongs to God. If you remember when they got into 
the promised land, what was the first city they come up against? Joshua fit the battle of? Everybody say Jericho. That's the first city they come up against. And God says, listen, this is going to be a faith walk. You're my people. You will live by faith. You will trust me. You will learn to walk with me and I will always take care of you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you one time a day for six days to circle the city. On the seventh day, go around seven times. After the seventh time, blow the trumpets and give a shout and the walls will come down. Go in and take everything and it will belong to me. Nobody keep any of it because it's the first city where you're going, the first fruit, and it belongs to me. And what did Achan do? Achan saw the gold bar and the beautiful coat, and he coveted it, and he took it, and he hid it in his tent. And by the way, listen, greed and stealing have its root in a lack of faith. Whenever you steal something, you are saying to God, I don't trust that you're going to give it to me, so I'll take it myself. It's a faith issue. So God says, this is the first city, Jericho. None of it you keep. None of it. It's the first fruit. Give it to me. It's really a worship. That's what tithing is. We used to have a Jewish gentleman in our church, Jeff Siegel, who every time we said it's time to take the tithes and offerings, he would begin to clap. And I said, Jeff, why why do you clap like that? He said, man, that's worship when we give the tithe. It's time of celebration that God has blessed us, and we're simply saying, God, thank you for taking care of us. You always will. So in a little while, we're going to take the tithe and the offering. What are we going to do, church? We're going to thank God. We're going to worship the Lord. It's a worship saying, God, I thank you that you provide for me. Here's how it works. When you get paid, the first check you write should be the tithe check. You say, but pastor, come on now. I can barely make ends meet. I'm strapped. Uh, I can't even afford to pay for this. And I understand. We all go through difficult times. I I said yesterday in the 50th wedding anniversary, I said, you know, we're going to redo the vows again. Remember what you said 50 years ago in good times and in bad Sickness and health, better, worse, richer, poorer. And in 50 years, you've gone through all of those. All of them. That's why you made the commitment. You've been listening to Pastor Gary Mortara of Faith Fellowship Foursquare Church at 577 Manor Boulevard in San Leandro on the KFAX Ministry of the Week Sunday message. Listen to Pastor Gary Mortara's program, I Speak Life, weekdays at 11 a.m. on AM 1100 KFAX. Find out more about Pastor Gary at the website faith-fellowship.us or at our website kfax.com where you can also find links to podcasts of this program. I'm Mike Matthews. Join us here again next week for the Ministry of the Week Sunday message on AM 1100 KFAX.